be a billionaire so freaking bad by all of the things I never had. Welcome to the Celebrity Net Worth Podcast. Uh, we are back after a little bit of a holiday break. I hope everybody out there had a good holiday and is having a good New Year so far. Um, we got a great topic tonight. I'm really excited because we're actually going to talk to my dad tonight, who is a uh, bankruptcy lawyer. His name is John Warner. Dad, are you there? I'm here. <laughs> great. This is going to be fun. So I'm excited about this because this is we're going to talk about the, an article that we posted over break about Michael Vick, and it caused a lot of controversy, a lot of questions. Um, it was one of our most popular articles of the year. It's got like 80, 90,000 shares on Facebook. Um, the basic gist of the story is that when Michael Vick um, was arrested a couple years back, he had a ton of debt and to a bunch of banks and some credit card companies, a ton of stuff, $18 million worth of debt. And he had two options. Well, we're going to get into the details of it, but the general gist of the story, if you haven't read it, is that he took an option that made him, that, where he would actively pay down the debt. He could have just forgiven it. But he instead said, I'm going to pay it off. And over the last couple of years where he's still been in the NFL, he's actually about to pay it off. It's a pretty amazing accomplishment. Uh, but before we even get into that, I kind of wanted to ask you, Dad, to just, if you could generally explain some of the basic... <clears throat> things that people don't really understand about bankruptcy. Well, first of all, in bankruptcy, they have these chapters. And Chapter 7, for instance, which is the smallest number, is a uh, chapter that's available to almost any company or person, and it's a liquidation procedure. If it's a company, they just turn over all their assets, and that's it. If it's an individual, they turn over assets except those that are exempt Sometimes you have uh, exemption rights in your house, your car, your retirement account, and so forth. Then there is Chapter 9, which is used for municipal governments. That used to be almost unheard of, but now with people like Stockton, California, and so forth, that becomes very popular. Then there's Chapter 11, which is reorganization, and despite what people may think, Chapter 11 is available for both individuals and corporations. And then there's Chapter 12, which is for farmers, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> crazy. And then there's Chapter 13, which is only available for individuals who are wage earners, that is, who have a steady income from some source. So there you have the, the basically the, the, the summary of the various chapters. Now, in the case of Michael Vick... He chose Chapter 11. He did not want to relinquish all of his property. He wanted to work out his debts in some way. And that is a chapter that he used, uh, and I guess he continues to use, uh, to try to reorganize his life, his assets, and his future as well. So am I correct in saying that, in the article at least, we said that under... Chapter, whatever, there were two chapters that he had available to him, and in one of them, it would have completely wiped off most of, if not all, of the $18 million that he owed to various creditors. And the other option, it would have not wiped it off at all. He's going to honor those debts, pay them down. Yeah, he, he elected not to do Chapter 7 because by doing that, he would give up all of his property, all of his significant property, 
and he didn't want to do that for obvious reasons. And he's not <clears throat> not eligible for Chapter 13 because he has too much unsecured debt, too much secured debt. There are certain limits to what you can do. In Chapter 13, you cannot have more than approximately 400,000 of unsecured debts, and you cannot have more than approximately a million secured debts. So if you have a home against that has a home mortgage of, say, $1.2 million, you're not eligible for Chapter uh, 13. Or if you have um, unsecured debts like credit card debts and other unsecured debts that total more than $400,000, again, you're not eligible for Chapter 13. So his two choices were only Chapter 7, total liquidation, or Chapter 11. Okay, so take like let's, for example, say that Michael Vick walked into your office a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. At the time... He arguably would never have come back to the NFL and would never earn a big paycheck. You're looking at him and his financial situation, and he owes $18 million. What would you have told him to do? I probably would say Chapter 7. Which is the one, I'm sorry to keep asking because it's going to be confusing. Which one is that? That's the one that's called total liquidation. And he did not choose that one, he right? He did not choose it, but, he, you know, that way, the, 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 I've had many clients who have chosen Chapter 7. Initially, they're very reluctant, but they've done it. And they've held on to certain assets like their car or their furniture or whatever, some of their jewelry. And you know what? Afterwards, so they get rid of all this debt, they feel great. It's, it's like a big burden that's been taken off their shoulders. Um, with Chapter 11, which is the procedure that Vic chose, it, it's not so easy because you have to come up with a plan that's going to be approved by your creditors in some way, or you get into what is called a cram down in certain areas where the bankruptcy court has authority to force the creditors to accept a plan proposed by the uh, debtor, in this case, Michael Vick. But anyway, you slice it. Chapter 11 is complicated, it's expensive, and you don't always succeed, and you end up where you find yourself being converted to Chapter 7. You're so, like if Michael Vick had never re-staged uh, re, uh, a, a comeback and had never made another dollar in the NFL, he would have probably been kicked down and they would have just liquidated everything. Correct. I mean, he would there be, like you say, if he came into my office and he had no future income to speak of, I'd say, hey, Michael, give it up. You know, start over, get rid of all this debt, particularly if he has some tax debt that's more than three years old. You know, you can get rid of that in Chapter 7. It's gone. Just gone. Magically gone. Gone. Yeah. What are the consequences of that, of choosing that route, that more aggressive route where you don't pay pay back your debts? Well, the problem is you lose everything you have except except your exempt assets, which would be uh, maybe you can keep one of your cars, you could keep your jewelry up to a certain limit, you could keep your furniture, your clothing, and stuff like that. <clears throat> and you can keep up to, in California at least, up to fifty dollars to $150,000 worth of equity in your house. But aside from that, you know, you're sort of walking away and starting all over again. But you also get rid of a lot of debt. Yeah. And that's an important consideration when you choose between 7 and Chapter 11. Um, in Chapter 11, it's not, it's not a, in many cases, it's not an ultimate solution because you have to, first of all, you have to persuade a group of creditors 
to vote for your plan. And if you do that and other creditors object, at least you get the court, the bankruptcy court, to consider cram down, which means that the bankruptcy court considers what is best for the overall creditors. But if you can't get, even in Chapter 11, one group, one category of creditors to vote for your plan, guess what? They're going to convert it to Chapter 7 or going to dismiss your case, one or the other, and that's not a good result after you spent tens of thousands of dollars trying to get a, a Chapter 11 plan confirmed. Interesting. So I, I'm assuming, I think I'm, I, you've mentioned before to me that there's a credit penalty if someone files any kind of bankruptcy. Absolutely. So what does that mean exactly? Like, like you don't want to just willy-nilly, like, I've got $50,000 worth of credit card debt. I'm just going to – like, if somebody came to you and they said, I have $50,000 worth of credit card debt, but I make – $100,000 a year, some sort of system where it's just, just like they, you would tell them, no, you shouldn't. Right. Do not do the bankruptcy. Uh, force those creditors to take less. They don't like it, but if you just ignore them for a while, they, typically they will not sue you. Uh, even if they do, you can you know, resist it a little bit. But ultimately, you can work through that. If it's only like $50,000, it's not a whole lot of money. And if you have a good income, you can eventually get that resolved. And you avoid the stigma of the Chapter 7 bankruptcy showing up on your credit report, which is a disaster for future loan loan applications and stuff like that. And how long does that stigma last? You can't get a car loan. You can't get an apartment. Well, it it depends. You know, a lot of loaning lenders, particularly in the car loan business, they go out of their way to get a loan qualified because they want to sell those cars. Mm-hmm. And so they will typically overlook a bankruptcy that maybe is only a three or four years old. You know, it's going to stay on your record for as long as ten years. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, I see a lot of people, a lot of clients who, right after bankruptcy, they go out and buy a car because the the lender knows they can't discharge that debt in bankruptcy. And if there's enough down payment money and there's enough equity left in the car. Guess what? They're going to approve the loan. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a major consideration. But on the other hand, uh, if you have this bankruptcy on your report and you're trying to buy a house, very difficult mm-hmm. in today's market because they're so strict now. And the the rules have changed since 2008. To get a home loan is much more difficult than it was in the old days. Mm-hmm. So speaking of houses, I think one of the more interesting bankruptcy cases that involve celebrities is uh, so oj simpson when he was found civilly guilty yes he was ordered to pay the goldman family 30 million dollars right yes, big big amount yes yeah, sure. before that decision that verdict and penalty came down he moved to florida and bought a house yes and he has a pension from the NFL that pays him two hundred thousand yes. dollars a year so why is he able to get away with okay. that what is that move okay in Florida, no matter how valuable your house is, unlike California, for example, it's totally exempt from creditor claims. In California, your exemption right is only about, depending on whether you're single or married or, or how old you are, anywhere from about 50000 to $150,000. That's it. So if you have a million dollars worth of equity in your house in California, you can protect let's say 100,000 of that, or 150,000 if you're older. But in Florida, that same house, the same value, totally, completely exempt, 
and you can keep that house despite your creditor claims. And that's why they go to Florida and do that kind of stuff. So would the person in Florida who is declaring <clears throat> bankruptcy be forced to sell their house? No, no. So then... As long as they keep paying the loan or whatever uh-huh. they have to pay on the house, pay the taxes, they're good. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So yeah, they're good. And then also you'll have the situation uh, in places like Florida or maybe Texas where um, your income also is protected more so than in California. California, you're faced with all these wage garnishment situations as well. And I think that's what—that's another aspect of the OJ story because when he was free, before he got caught up in this most recent thing that put him in jail, he, the reason he was able to subsist, to subsist and have a life is because he had a house that they couldn't touch, and he had a two hundred thousand dollar a year pension from the NFL Players Union. Yes. And I think the pension in Florida is untouchable, right? Correct, and also. Um, that pension being a retirement plan of some kind typically is going to be exempt. Again, I don't know what the Florida rules are, but in California, uh, it's exempt uh, to the extent that you need the income to, to uh, maintain your life uh, uh, style, whatever your lifestyle may be. So, so if that involves playing golf and going yeah. out to steak dinners, yeah. you can continue to do that. You continue to do that. Now, if you have, like, Five million or ten million dollars in your in individual retirement account, California Bankruptcy Court would say, ah, that's a little bit too much. That's kind of a stretch there. You don't need all that money to to uh, support support your retirement. So they'll cut it down a little bit. There's no uh, bright line on that, however. And in places like Florida, maybe they give you the whole exemption right. Wow. Yeah. So that's what OJ did, and that's what other people have done over the years. They've gone to Florida or they've gone to Texas or whatever state that has the most protection for debtors under those circumstances. And arguably, like if you if you were worth a lot of money and you knew that there was a really like let's say you're worth um, fifty million dollars, yeah. or yeah, let's say fifty to make it easy. If you're worth fifty million dollars and you know that you're going to you you're going to owe 100 million dollars in civil damages for something that you did. Yeah. If you move to Florida and buy a 40 million dollar house, that money is all untouchable. Is that right? Correct. That's right. But the problem of going, you know, you have to maintain that house, you got to pay the taxes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Right. And you ha- and that's, you know, and that's hard to do when you don't have an in- if you don't have an income. Right. It sounds good in theory, in reality it's not so so good because that kind of a house needs maintenance. It needs a gardener. It needs a cleaning service. It needs mm-hmm. this and it needs a pool boy and, or I should say, a pool boy, a pool guy, pool person, a, pool person. And <laughs> uh, when you start doing those things, all of a sudden, that house, forty million dollar house, has a ten thousand dollar a month expense or more, yeah, or more, yeah. So, so I know you read a little bit about the. Michael Vick case, yes. like you looked up the case number yes. and pulled yes. the file. Do you remember any of like, so what are the, some of the stuff that you saw that, that sort of stood out in terms well, of how this $18 million debt even was created in the first place? Well, first of all, looking at the paperwork, in the Michael Vick case, they have what is called the disclosure statement. And the disclosure statement is what is prepared to disclose to the creditors what the plan of reorganization is going to be and who's going to get how much and so forth and so on. And in there, there's a detailed discussion of the background of the, of the debtor, 
what he did, what his plans to do in the future, and also uh, all the various steps that took place just immediately prior to the bankruptcy filing. In Vic's case, remarkably, there were just a whole bunch of guys, and they were mostly guys, not gals, who were trying to be, quote, a, an advisor, a financial advisor, whatever, to Michael Vick. And it turns out there's one guy, forget his name, he, he was from New Jersey, and he turned out to be a guy who kind of sleazy, really. He had himself been through like two or three Chapter 13 cases, wow. and he had taken a car and some cash as a, quote, retainer, end quote, and when finally the bankruptcy case was filed, they forced this guy to re, to re, repay the car, repay the money, and reduce his his role in the case to just a a minor financial advisor to Michael Vick. Why Michael Vick would do this kind of stuff, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But he did it, and there was a series of guys like that before he finally got himself into the hands of a really top notch Wall Street bankruptcy firm, mm-hmm. and that's where he is now. And I think. With, with their guidance and with their advice, he probably has a good chance of getting out of this in pretty good shape. Well, I think he definitely does because from the article that we posted, I mean, the reason we posted it was because as of mid-December, um, he's already paid off about $17 million yes. worth of the 18.5. Yes. Yes. And the way he's done that is he's actually made a pretty good comeback in yes. the NFL, he's made lots of money, yes. and I think through this Wall Street firm that you've mentioned, they've kind of not legally forced him, but he, they've very like strongly encouraged him to live on a three hundred thousand dollar a year lifestyle. Yeah. Yes, right. Which makes a big difference. I think he's. Yeah. I think Mick, I think Vic makes like ten million dollars a year right now. So if you're living on three hundred thousand and making ten million, you have money to pay. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. over you know, right. and it's been a couple years like right. that. So. You know, it's starting to go down. Yeah, and, and let me mention in, in this regard, and this is important to keep in mind, there was a recent bankruptcy court case reported in which there was basically one creditor, and the guy filed for Chapter 11, and and the creditors immediately filed a motion to have it dismissed on the ground that it was filed in bad faith. And it got up to the Court of Appeal, and the Court of Appeal said, look, you cannot determine initially whether it's in bad faith, because even though this creditor is going to vote against any plan, or that's what they say now, after they've had a chance to review their alternatives versus Chapter 7, where they get nothing, maybe, versus Chapter 11, where they get something, maybe they'll have a change of heart, and they'll vote for the plan because at least they'll get something. And that's kind of what's going on with, with people like Michael Vick. You know, there may be some creditors out there, credit card creditors particularly, they're kind of ticked off that he's doing this. But they're thinking to themselves, you know, even though I only get 20 cents on the dollar, 20 cents on the dollar is better than nothing at all. Yeah. And so, you know, they go along with the plan. Well, this has been really awesome. Um, is there a final question, and you can answer it in as many parts as you want. Sure. If, if, you, have, if you were to give people who are listening to this some basic bankruptcy or financial legal advice or just things to do or not to do? Is there anything that pops in your head right off the bat? I think that what pops in my mind, and I apply this to myself, actually, and that is avoid using credit cards recklessly. Use it when you only actually have the money to pay off the card each month. When you start using that card thinking that's free money, and you know psychologically, that's when you're in trouble. And all of a sudden, you know, a five thousand dollar credit card 
balloons to 50,000 or 100,000 and you know my god how do you with a 20% or 30% interest rate how do you handle that avoid that problem by using your credit card only uh when you know for sure you can pay off a, a good chunk of it at the end of each month very awesome great advice okay thank you so much for taking the time i hope everybody enjoyed that discussion um and we will talk to you next week great thanks a lot bye bye Shot callers, brawlers, we'll be dipping in the bins with the spoilers. Uh, on the low, uh, when it's Jake and the blood. Wanna bumble with the B, huh?